Welcome to Say That, the podcast here. Big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and joining me here, the founder of Mission USA, Glenn Fitzgerald. I wasn't making disgusting noises before we hit record. You were. <laughs> have a little, outrageous accusation to little the listening bit of audience. A little bit of a head cold left over. A bit defensive about it. He's a little yeah. sensitive. Let's yeah. all just lay off Glenn. That's yeah. right. Also, we're director of Mission USA Productions, Jed Brewer. I think it's great. Really? Yeah. Yep, celebrate the whole thing. Objectively disgusting. Nope, I think it's great. Well, fair enough. <laughs> a bold opinion by Jed there as well. I think what my boss does is great. <laughs> <laughs> Joining us all the way from Rutgers, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. I uh, heard the disgusting noises, and I was pretty worried that they were going to be on a hot mic, but I think we're okay. Uh, they, you Probably you can bring that forth in the editing process. Right, right. Yeah, I'll kind just be one of those... Uh, you know, uh, what do you call it? commentary tracks or something? You sure. Know, yeah. in the deleted scenes. <laughs> As a commentary track for a purely audio medium would be a bit tough to keep up with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what we need is a, uh, say that commentary track. Here, Glenn uh, is explaining the idea of a commentary right. track. But enough of this tomfoolery, because I have to declare an emergency. What? An emergency? This is an emergency. Doesn't sound like you, Matt. Of a world level. Whoa. It's a worldwide emergency. It is a worldwide emergency. It's a a wondrous time of the quadrennial cycle. Mm. Talking about the World Cup. It's great. It's fantastic. But there is a problem. I don't know what it is. It's a soccer competition. It's Ah. it's what you call sport. Football. Ah. In some areas of the world. Yeah. Uh, I I almost said, Jed, do you not wonder why they're just... Hordes of people walking around drinking at seven in the morning, but that's not that uncommon for Chicago. So yeah, yeah. Just kind of that's more of a staying on trend. But okay. now they have a reason to be ah! drinking and yelling at eight o'clock <laughs> yeah. in the morning. Um, it coming to us from Russia. Yeah. So, but here's the thing: you, you, part of the fun of sports is you got to root for somebody. You know, you that's gotta, right. Have a home team and pull for them. Yeah, I'm excited. I think U.S. is going to possibly win it all this year. Go USA, man! That's how I think. That well, sounds exciting. Let's yeah, do it. Not not really in it. Well, here's, we are well, recording that, this still in the group stages. I don't know when it's going to come th- out. This but. is a this is what happens is we're being snubbed. Are we? Well, Nobody's even talking about the U.S. I'm offended, like, dude. I've never really been into sports, but I feel like it's time for that to change. Yeah, I want to cheer. You didn't on, know there was snubbing, but now you're into it. I want to cheer on <laughs> Team USA. I'm ready right. to get in it. Yeah, Let's me go. too. Yeah, I feel this one. I feel like it's like. You know, you can't put us down like that. That's right. So let's do it, man. We're going to stick up for our national pride. Team USA. I mean, it's not been at all a good year for us at all. Like outside of sport, you mean? Right. I agree. You're so saying we need this? We need we this. We need this. We've got to have something positive that happens in this It's our country. only chance. Well, yeah. again. Go Team USA. I'm hanging all of my joy and happiness on this one thing. Well, that's, that's not going to go well. Not that... Betting on the, let's be clear here, the U.S. men's team ever yeah. does. There's another World Cup coming next year where your, your odds get significantly better. Right. As the very successful U.S. women's team, yeah, winner of many World Cups, has a chance. The United States men's team has never won a World Cup. I think they've only made it out of the group stages once. They didn't qualify this year. Because they lost to Trinidad and Tobago. 
Which, if you're looking for the conspiracy, <laughs> why did we have to play two teams? That's that seems... that's a good question right there. I gave it a shot, and sport betrayed me. Yeah. For once. It always in Jed, happens that In Jed's way. whole life, he was interested in sport. And now it's gone. It was, 45 it la- seconds. It lasted 45 seconds. <laughs> And he's out again. He's never coming back either. That was, was a good a, push. That was it. That was a hard blow right there. Once, once sport bitten, twice sport shy. Yeah. Wow. Fool, fool me once. Did you have to understand that through quoting an 80s metal song? <laughs> <laughs> fool, fool, me, fool me on sports once. Shame, shame, won't, shame on me. Yeah, but. Fool, fool, me, fool me twice on sports. How's, how's it goes? It's saying in Texas. <laughs> Can't keep <laughs> If, if just look up old George W. quotes. Don't. <laughs> I, the sad podcast cannot advise that. Okay, but meanwhile, yeah. So I had a sports emergency, Glenn. I feel like oh, yeah. I cannot come really grasping the gravity. Yeah. Well, what was it? I forgot now. So we got the World Cup going on. Yes. Uh, the United States is not in it. Oh, failed man. to qualify. Man, there's a bummer right there. Yeah. It's, you know. It's, but you know, we push on. Okay. And uh. So, but you got to have somebody to root for. Yeah. So I, I feel like, I feel like we need to pick a team. Yeah. I feel like we have international friends. Yes. Mm. Why not pit them against each other for our love? Wow. Yes. I think that's a great idea. So there, uh, I mean, there are some options of places we know that we have uh, super fans. Right. So uh, Australia, as we mentioned uh, yep. last episode, did make yep. the tournament this year. Um, I, as we record this, our, their their first game, they didn't do so well. The Socceroos, the Socceroos, indeed. I knew a thing. That's that's one of those where like they pretty much had to name it that because yeah. people were going to call it that anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you might as well lean into it, and good for them in their yes. well known, easygoing Australian ways. Yeah, for leaning into that. Um, we got Germany. Okay, is in there. We we have say that super fans who have lived and currently live in Germany. We know. Yeah. Um, England. Yes, right. fans in England. Um. You got some some very solid say that super fans in England, no doubt. Uh, let's I'm scrolling through the list here. What about the Kiwis, man? No, man, didn't that's make a bummer. It. Well, they they There's only like 45 people on that island. It's they're and they're really good at rugby. It'd be <laughs> I was about to say they all, ask them to do you, too. You, you can't get them to stop playing rugby long <laughs> yeah. enough to kick a ball. Yeah. They don't know what to do with a round ball. Yeah, it's insanity. Know. Yeah, that's right. Let's see what else we have. I know we have uh, some South Korean uh, okay. super fans here okay. and there. Yeah. Uh, the Japanese as well. Um, what what do we think, fellas? Well, we and we got to put the Sri Lankans in there. You know, did, we're talking. Did not make. Are you are you familiar with the tournament, Glenn? Yeah, it's like it's uh, mostly large nations. Everybody who want to come, just come on in. Yes. No, it was it was, it was, it was on TV for quite a while. There's a pretty okay. long qualifying like process. Qualifying. Yeah. How how they do? Do they ride like a rocket ship to the top? Plus, they play. No, cricket you mainly there, play right? soccer. Yeah. Okay, yeah. That's how you qualify. Oh, just playing. Yeah, it's soccer games. Right. But they, they play cricket in Sri Lanka. That's true. I very good at that. True. Like, that's, that's yeah. their thing. France, Denmark, Iceland. Iceland's getting a lot of, uh, a lot of play. A young, nice. plucky nation. Okay. I, I, some have called them to say that podcast of the, the World Cup. Oh. Well, I don't think we have any to say that fans there, do we? Iceland? I can't imagine that we do. But... Well, they're dead to us then. <laughs> <laughs> that's how that works. They cancel our... Uh, our Icelandic tourism board outreach. <laughs> yes. If we, if we did have any say that super fans, they're gone now. You know what's weird and is when the women's team plays, they all have tread carefully. They they have all they all have the same end to their last name in Iceland. 
Burrow? Yeah, because your last name, if you're in, from Iceland, is your dad's name plus Doter. For real? Yeah. Well, there you go. Okay. It, if- it's it, Believe me, when you're watching it on TV, it's kind of a trip when the, the, the commentators are trying to tell who's doing what. All right. Well, it, fair enough. A lot of similar names there. Well, I'm I'm contractually obligated to root for Germany. I don't, what I'm saying is true. Iceland is right out. Sure, absolutely. They're out. Okay? Glenn has a very interesting attitude towards marketing in general, which is just at any arbitrary point, if certain type of people aren't on board, he hates them. That's yes. right. <laughs> That's why our uh, our ideas to spread into other local areas have not gone well. Right. Glenn would be like, is there a bridge program in Kansas? Like, not yet. Well, I hate them then. Right. They don't get right. one. That's right. And yes. then well, that's why we just stay in Chicago. Yeah. yeah. Now, uh, let's also mention, even though we have a better better rivalry and feud with, with the country of Canada. Yeah. Are they still in it? No, they didn't make it. Well, okay. Then that, that solves that conundrum. Sure. Okay. And so surprisingly, Italy didn't make it, right? That, that, uh, true as well. First time really? in a long time. Wow, that's bad. This is like a crazy style thing happening. Yeah. So it's like, uh, now, how are we going to determine who we root for then? You don't want to just list more countries? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's Botswana. Let's, let's, and make it. Let's, uh, let's do it alphabet- alphabetically. Sure. Albania. Sure. Algeria. Sure. <laughs> just go through them all. But here's what I'm saying is, uh, I think uh, possibility number one is we root for whichever one we have the most super fans in. Sure, sure. Or we could say whichever country sends us the most baked goods. Sure, also good. We will root for your team. Now you say, what's the big deal with that? Well, I think we've got a lot of, uh, you know what I mean? Like if your team found out that we were rooting for them. Right, they get to say that bump. Yeah, they'd be like, whoa. Glenn, obviously, and clearly a student of the game, yeah, could bring his expertise to bear for your team. Right. That's, you know, what it, what it is is like, uh, you know, my beloved team that I love more than any other team in the world is the Houston Astros. Yeah. They play baseball. Okay. Did With they make the World Cup? They did not make the World it's Cup. It's like soccer, but you hold a stick. Okay. It's a, it, they made a World Series. Okay. Were there any teams from not America in it? There were not, although... Ha, 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 baseball haters. Toronto has a team. That's another country. Sure. So just... I mean, there are cities in the continent of the United States that are north of Toronto, but, you know. Right. Well, it still counts. And there used to be Montreal, and we'll see. But here's what I'm saying. Uh, they had... They, what happened was they put a YouTube video up of the guys in the clubhouse. They were hanging out. And... uh and my man Altuve, that's my favorite. Okay, because he's little, and we we ride together. Okay, some people are <laughs> some people are racist against small people. Okay, and we we don't like that. <laughs> okay, okay. So Altuve, he's singing the what? What's the song? Tell me why that one. Sure, Backstreet Boys. Backstreet Boys. Okay, okay. He's sit, He's got it going. He only said three words. Can't sue. He's exactly. He's dancing around and doing like a a karaoke type version. Okay. Of it in the clubhouse to entertain the fellas. Okay. Because we're trying to win a World Series. Sure. It goes out on the internet. Everybody gets excited. And the right. Backstreet Boys said, We're on board. Okay. We are we're Astros fans. Now. Game over. Based, we based want them this, to win the World Cup. 
But and we, <laughs> it's very similar to that. <laughs> and we rode that rocket ship all the way to the top, won it all. Okay, yeah, uh, you did have the highest win projection preseason of any major league baseball team ever. Right. Well before the Bastard Boys got involved. That's right. We were ahead in every offensive uh, statistic there there was. But the boy band bump though cannot be boy scouted. band bump, big time. Okay. Boom explosion. Okay. okay. Here's what I'm saying. We root for your country. Right. And when we say root, we don't mean like casual fans. Yeah. We're in Face this. tattoos. Fa- yeah. We're wow. in it. I was going to say face. <laughs> I meant face paint. Sorry. Face painting. Yeah, let's do face painting. I get those confused all the time. It's very inconvenient. Both fine options. But we get the satellite package, or how, I don't know how you do it. It's just on TV. Okay. And we go nuts for your team. Exactly. Right? Like, we spaz out for it. Right. Okay. That's going to give sure, you. Sure, we're ball. lighting stuff on fire. We're hooliganing. We're yeah. really getting it together. Oh yeah, we'll hooligan. My question is, because of the spiritual wisdom, do we have like, uh, do do we give them an actual spiritual bump? Do we have like oh, yeah. an inroad with the Lord Himself? Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're brokering deals there. You know, sure. but we got to be in the locker room working stuff out. You know what I mean? Like if some one of the players is being a little bit like, you know what I mean? Yeah. He's sure, got, Ronaldo, he's he's being a little bit of a diva. He's got a little bit down. of an attitude. Right. We, we got to cuff him and say, got to keep it humble, my brother. Right. You know, that's how, that's what we're bringing to the table. Absolutely. And he'll be like, you know what? You're right. I'll <laughs> be like, okay, now I think the Lord's going to bless this thing. You're going to win that World Series. Yeah, because we're all on the same page here, yes. man. So we're, we're, we're prepared to go to the clubhouse right now. Yeah. So this is, but, but uh, you got to get bacon. Con- also true. Also, consequential. Uh, you know. Also, we're certainly willing for you to give us a team you hate for us to do the same thing for. Wow. Right. In the thoughts that our attempted intervention would almost certainly ruin them. Yeah. Yep. That's a good so, possibility. Yeah. You know. Glenn goes into the Portugal clubhouse. Cristiano Ronaldo says, "Why don't you just keep it humble?" And Ronaldo has never heard those words before, so he just leaves. <laughs> right. And now you got him. Me. First of all, you can keep Ronaldo, and I'll tell you why. Too pretty. Mm. You know what I mean? Okay. But here's what I'm saying is you 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 bring out an interesting point because they have in the in the world of casino gambling, they have someone called a cooler. Yep. Okay. And a cooler is someone who's such bad luck and just destroys the vibe of the room. He takes a guy who's on a hot streak yeah. and cools him out. Yeah. We could do the heck of that out of that oh, for yeah. Easily. We could we could go in and just cave in a team trying to win a championship. I like it. Believe that. I mean, there is no social function we cannot ruin. <laughs> That's definitely That's true. <laughs> right? Or, and no seemingly normal person we can't apparently uh, make feel incredible levels of insecurity by themselves. Yeah. That's yeah. right. We could use that power for, I was going to say good, more gambling winning than good. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. Six and one, half dozen the other, really. So you, you could point us in whatever direction you need. Yeah. And that's not just sports. We're we're willing to ruin pretty much anything. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. our giftedness. We'll, we'll ruin things. Well, I think I think we actually found something we're good at. And on that basis, I declare emergency off. Emergency ah. Wow. There's one thing that's so good even we can't ruin it. What? And that's box. Wow. Yeah. Music, you got sermons, you got Bible studies, all sorts of excellent stuff based around a topic every month. MissionUSA.com slash bridgebox, only a dollar a month goes to support directly our deacons program which is four at this point we are always kind of cycling folks in and out uh for part-time employees who help us out at the bridge to help get folks to aa meetings housing shelters food pantries help them 
with jobs, help them with church visits, all sorts of amazing work that the deacons do that really take the bridge to the next level. You, if you are a Bridgebox subscriber, are directly responsible for all the amazing stuff that they do. Again, missionusa.com slash Bridgebox if you want to see what that's all about. All right, we're jumping to our first question here at the end. Let's all the way to the end. I get some ways to get in touch with this. First question comes there anonymously. It says, heard you guys say that, quote, white people don't really know what respect means, unquote. What do you mean by that? How do I make sure I'm not messing that up? And Glenn, as someone who says this very often, mm. why don't you kick us off? You know what it means. Well, apparently they don't. They're in the question. Okay, then on that basis, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would tell you, yeah, here's the thing is, uh, let's start with this. When we're talking about uh, uh, predominantly white suburban uh, churches, uh, middle-class type churches, there is an almost insane amount of competition going on. Mm. Uh, and I I don't think we're conscious of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it might sound funny when I say that out loud. Uh, and, and I think there's a, a, a competition on a personal level in the yeah. same way. So, for example, if you have a Bible study, if you have a small group, um, quote a verse, I mean, don't give the reference of where it is in the Bible, and then turn to the person next to you and say, do you know where that is in the Bible? The right answer is, no, I don't know where that is in the Bible, because I haven't memorized the whole book. <laughs> nobody knows where that is, because nobody has it memorized here. I'm not a Bible scholar I work in an office. Give me a big fat break. Also, look it up yourself. Yeah, that's the right answer. Sure, but this is the answer you will get. Don't don't try this with a John three sixteen. That, that right? Yeah, it's, you know something a little more obscure, but you've heard it, but you don't know where it is. You know, here you won't get that answer though. The answer you'll get is, oh, I think, mm, I think it's it because you don't want to admit you don't know where it is. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's competition. You, you, you're, you're trying to say, I know a lot of Bible, when you don't. You're trying to act as though you are more biblically literate than what you really are. And um, that's not doing you any good. It's not doing anyone else any good. But what that, what is that, how does that play itself out? If we just take that mentality and we stew in it, we have that going for 40 or 50 years in a row in this church, where does that take us? Well, it takes us to a point where... I'm trying everything I can to project that I am the most spiritual person in this room. Yes. That I know Bible more and I have a better lifestyle than everyone else. And that's not necessarily a pride thing. It's not necessarily an arrogance thing at all. It's just I'm in a competition here. I feel the pressure. Everyone else is trying to compete. So I just start doing it maybe just subconsciously. I'm not even thinking of it in those terms. Uh, I, I think a lot of people don't don't you know don't realize they're trying to compete in that sort of way. But what does that do? It creates a mentality where I can't respect someone who knows more than me because yeah. I can't admit someone knows more than me. Mm-hmm. A respect is, is when you know and when you care and when you defer to someone who knows more than you do on whatever that particular subject is or whatever the topic is. Uh, we were talking in the last episode about jealousy, and here's the thing. Uh, we've dealt with a certain amount of that, but what it, it's not exactly exactly jealousy. It's I'm used to being the most down brother in the room. I'm used to being the the, the one who's revered as the most spiritual. And then one of us walks in the room, it's like, well, we've been doing this for a long time, and you know, we know a certain amount of Bible. What do you want from me, dude? You know, I just 
I'm not competing with you, my man. And you can win. I don't care. Right. It's your church. Do whatever you want to do. But people uh, feel uh, put off by that, and they don't. They don't show respect. That instead, uh, there's a there's a negative uh, insecurity going on there. Uh, when I encounter people, I'm asking the Lord: Is this a teach situation or is it a learn situation? Mm-hmm. Do they know more than me? Do I know more than them? Because if I'm supposed to be teaching, I need to be doing that. If I'm supposed to be learning, I need to do that. And sometimes it's a mix and match. They know about a thing that that you need to learn from them, and 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 you need to teach them something that they're. So it's a mix. It's but 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 more often than not, it's a pretty clear thing of, of one of us needs to teach, one of us needs to learn. Uh, and I think all of this gets back to the idea of the priesthood of all believers. This is a point of doctrine where uh, it's a Reformed uh, idea that there isn't a layer between us and God. There isn't a human being, person, that, 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 that regulates our relationship with God. There, that's, you know, Jesus bridged that gap, so there's no human in that. Priesthood of all believers. But I think we've exaggerated that to say everyone who is a believer is on the same level. We are all doing the same thing. And that's just crazy, stupid, not true. I mean, there, there are are some of us who are doing it. There are some of us who aren't doing it. There's some of us who get what this is about. Some of us who don't. And those who get it need to, need to teach. And those who, who are, are stuck or, or new need to learn that. And we need to have a level of respect that allows for that to take place. That's a really great point. Jed, where'd you pick us up on that? Well, let's, in a weird way, let's look at apologies for a minute, because I think Mm. if we look at apologies, that's going to lead us into understanding respect a little bit better. We've all screwed things up in our lives. We've all had things that we should apologize for. We've all been there. Now, we've also all had that moment, I think I certainly have, of saying, I do feel sorry for this. Do I really need to say those words out loud? Yeah. You do. Well, I was really hoping that was going to go the other way. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Sorry, guys. Uh, Not only do you need to say the words out loud, you need to not sort of do it. You need to fully say it. In other words, if you've wronged someone and you know you wronged them, uh, bad idea number one is to say nothing. That's a super bad idea. You don't want to do that. Bad idea number two is to say, oh, well, you know, we all make mistakes. So I'm, I'm sure you understand that, you know, from now and then I, I make mistakes too. That's not an apology. Um, and you don't want to say, well, you know, I mean, if I did something that, you know, you chose to take offense at, well, I, you know, then I, I don't I guess know. we all are partly responsible for you being offended here. Exactly right. No, 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 <laughs> not, none of that is an apology. An apology is I was wrong. I did a thing that was bad. I am sorry for the thing I did that was bad. I will try to not do that thing again. That's an apology. And we all know that. We all, we all know that anything less than that is kind of us punking out and that we shouldn't do that. Um, it's not enough to have an apologetic spirit in your heart. You have to say the words out loud. And mm-hmm. we all get that. We, we all understand that. Okay, now it's a similar thing with respect. A lot of the breakdown for folks who have grown up in a suburban background is there's a failure to say the thing out loud. Amen. 
So, Amen. Um, Glenn gave us a good definition. I'm going to give us, this is just the dictionary definition of respect. It's a feeling of deep admiration for someone elicited by their abilities, qualities, or achievements. Okay, you've had plenty of people in your life where you felt a deep sense of admiration based on their abilities, qualities, and or achievements. That's great. The question is, did you tell them that? Did you speak those words out loud and say, for example, you have a mastery of um, the minor prophets in the Bible. I respect that. Because mm-hmm. if you didn't say those words out loud, you didn't show respect. That's, that's how respect works. Um, you can feel sorry for something if you didn't say the words, I'm sorry out loud, you didn't apologize. Respect involves saying the words out loud. That's why we talk about showing respect. When we say that folks from a suburban background struggle with respect, it's not that they necessarily struggle with admiring the qualities of other people, um, but they struggle mightily with saying those words. Yep. And if you don't say the words... The whole thing breaks down. Now, here's why part of why we struggle with saying those words. One is we're, we're not used to doing it. It feels weird, and we don't see other people do it. Do it anyway. Thing number two, we're afraid we wouldn't be very good at it. You won't, but it doesn't matter. Um, no one has ever been, has taken offense at imperfectly expressed respect. <laughs> How <laughs> dare you offer me a clumsily worded compliment, <laughs> sir? I say good day. <laughs> exactly right. Ex- exactly right. But the third reason goes back to exactly what Glenn was saying, which is we don't want to humble ourselves. That's right. We don't want to, in real life, admit you know more about this than I do. You are better at this than I am. You are superior to me in this way. We- and off of what you're saying, not to steer your flow, but there's sort of a habit to that, isn't there? Like if you get used to doing that, it becomes more easy to do. There's a habit either way. If you get used to doing it, uh, it gets way easier. If you make a habit of not doing it, it feels like an unimaginable impossibility. Right. That's right. Humility is good for you. Humility Mm. is Christian. Mm. Humility is godly. Humility is necessary for life. And I want to be clear on this. Being self-effacing is not the same as humility. Thank you. If I see one mistake that suburban people make in regards to respect and humility, that's it, is mistaking being self-effacing for being humble. I know a lot of self-effacing people who are unbelievably prideful. I mean, unbelievably. And I know a lot of people who are very deeply humble who do not do the self-effacement thing at all. Even a little bit. If you want to be self-effacing, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. There's nothing inherently good about it either, but it's not humility. Humility, properly understood from a Christian standpoint, is knowing who you are and accepting it. And that means accepting that there are people who know more than you do. There are people who are better at certain things than you are. There are people who are, in some ways, you're better in all kinds of stuff and being comfortable with expressing it. It may all be new to you. That's okay. It's no problem. You can say those words out loud. You can find a person in your life who does know more than you, is better than you at something. And you can say, I recognize that about you. I admire it and I appreciate it. You may feel weird. It's the right thing to do. You have no idea how much it will mean to them. And I think if you keep doing it, you'll find you feel a heck of a lot better from living out that new lifestyle. Amen. Absolutely. That's all really good stuff. Lee, as someone who's a pastor, I think you have a a good uh, angle on this. And I, I would love to get you to approach from this aspect. So let's say you're someone hearing this who is exactly what we're talking about, you know, exists in a white suburban environment, white suburban church. And you say, well, okay, 
I hear you. The respect thing is not there. This is not a concept we culturally really have. But maybe we don't need it. We're doing fine. Right. There is it, exactly what Gwen and Jed are breaking down here is holding back your ability to exist in a community. Mm-hmm. But but to be fair to people, it is sometimes hard to see how a thing could be better if you've never done it. So right. Lee, can you sketch that out for us? The effect that respect can actually have on a community there. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things that's so interesting about this is that it is a learned thing. Just like these guys are talking about, this is something that you learn. You you see other people um, not knowing how to do this, not knowing how to humble themselves, not knowing how to pay a compliment, not knowing how to receive a compliment. That's the other side of this that that uh, that Jed could have kept going on, and and but it's just as big a part of it that if somebody uh, says, "Hey, hey, Glenn, uh, that was a really cool point you just made on that last piece," you know that you're not going to hear like if you you know if I sent that text to Glenn, he's not going to text me back and say, "No, no, no, brother, I I I really just I just don't know uh, and the whole thing and and whatnot." That's not how he's going to say it. He's going to yeah. say these two really simple words. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, brother. You know, in other words, I appreciate you saying that. The thing is, if you haven't been in that environment, it's a learned thing to not know how to do it. I think that one of the, this is, this is kind of just a, a, a different angle of saying the same thing that these brothers are saying, which is that in our society, the thing that a lot of uh, that a lot of like american suburban culture prizes is that lone wolf winner who didn't need anybody he just went out there and got it done by his scrappy intuition and his ability to make it work and he's so smart and he's so good at this and he's so hard working and all of those things there is something that is so attractive to uh, you know to that culture but also just to human pride of the idea of i got it done um it's an american thing it's a, it's this idea of self sufficiency self promotion of individual strength of of this achievement it and and the deal is is that other cultures besides suburban american culture they prize um, something above that individual success, and that's the success of the community. And this is a very, very it's it's a very big difference. That it's not that that other cultures don't prize success. It's not that other cultures don't prize strength. It's not that other cultures don't prize achievement. It's that they see the achievement, success, and strength of the community as the thing. So what's cool about that is everybody within that community has weaknesses and strengths, stuff they're good at, stuff that they fail at, but when they come together, they make a strength. So I can be a weak person on my own, but my participation with the community, the things that I'm good at, I bring everybody in the community up on that. And the things that I'm weak at, somebody else in the community brings me up on that. The 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 thing that that leads us to do is that which by the way, if you're wondering which of these smells more like Christianity, I can tell you. It's the community one. The the apostle Paul says that the that we are the body of Christ. 
and that everybody has a part to play, and that we bring each other up. We're not strong on our own. We're weak on our own, and that's on purpose. That's a whole thing, and it's a thing that other cultures get. Even un, even even other cultures that that don't have a, a, a Christian background, they understand the importance of family. They understand the importance of community. When I was in Spain a few years ago, there was a there was a night that we um, they, they have a concept in Spain that's called sobre mesa, which literally translates to uh, above the table, and it's a it's a dinner concept, which is. When we sit down to dinner, we sit down to dinner and it's going to take a while. Everybody sits down, every, all the food is on top of the table, we're at the table together, and it's going to take a while. For, for a person from Spain, the idea of going to a drive through and getting food and eating it in your car by yourself while you drive somewhere else, that is the most insane thing to them. It doesn't make any sense. It's sad. It makes them just weep over the just the degradation of the human spirit. And there was a there was a night when I was when I was in in Spain and there was just a, a lot of things going on. I had to grab a meal real quick and go, you know, eat it off in a corner because everybody had already eaten dinner. And everybody that passed me by, they just kept saying, "Oh, pobrecito, pobrecito!" Like poor little dude. I'm so sorry that you that things got so rushed that you had to eat dinner by yourself tonight. Every other culture understands this that we need to be together, that we need to have this community, and that's all part of this respect thing. When when I see the community and the family as a more important thing than myself, then it is very, very easy for me to say to, uh, to, to Jed, to Matt, to Glenn, to my friends, to my family, to other people in my church, hey, this thing about you is awesome. And when they say something uh, about me, if it's a hard word, I'm ready to hear that because I know I have weaknesses. But if it's, if it's an encouraging word, I'm ready to receive that with a thanks. Because I know that we bring each other up together. I think that just to add on to what to what Jeb was saying, I think that one of the things that we're afraid of feeling, Jeb was saying we're afraid that it's going to feel weird to say the thing that you're feeling. I think that one of the things that we're afraid of is that we're afraid of being mushy. And that's a it's a weird thing to say out loud, but I think that that there's a thing in that suburban American culture where we're afraid of expressing love. Yeah. We're afraid of the way that that makes us seem. That if I say, if I pay you a compliment, then uh, then that's just too touchy-feely. That's too emotional. We're actually afraid of feeling. And that's a piece that we've got to get over. That's a thing that when you prize community and family, you're okay with being mushy. You're okay with being touchy-feely. You're okay with, with expressing love. Um, I'm okay with with making myself vulnerable. We're so afraid of vulnerability. But if I make myself vulnerable and I say to another brother, another sister, hey, what you did out there was awesome. And I hope you know it. And I look them in the eye and say those words, or I write them a note and say those words. Yeah, it may feel mushy or weird to do that, but that's where we need to go because it is the community. That's where we're strong, not individually. That's where we're smart. That's where we're wise. Not individually, but within the community and the family. Amen. It's all really good points. One thing I will throw into there is if you're looking for a place to start on this with the thinking it through, as these guys are talking about, um, this is a factor of suburban culture, Western culture, of internet culture now that we really need to, to let go of. Here, here, here's the thing. Your words are not full of value. In right. the sense of, as Lee's pointing out, one thing I think of people are like, well, I don't want to, I, 
I am the evaluator. I'm right. the detached. So when I come up to say something nice to someone, I want it to really hold some weight. Like, I don't just give out compliments. Right. Start <laughs> giving out compliments. Nobody right. likes you when you're like that. That's right. That's right. This That's is right. not that thing you're like, I give that, I give that billion dollar movie that everyone loves. I'm going to give it like three and a half stars. Yeah. You know, <laughs> don't be that Pretty guy. tough grader. Yeah. Um, there are people who, and that will bleed over into your relationships in real life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to the point about uh, mushiness and not even necessarily an, an emotional mushiness. If you come to the bridge, as Glenn has pointed out, maybe towards, there's a lot of uh, mushiness towards the guys. Yep. There's also a lot of that towards our volunteers mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the other preachers, mm-hmm. even some of them who, does their performance that night necessarily warrant this much positive wording? Maybe not, right. but you got your butt in the car. You drove down here for no money right. to yeah. preach to a room full of people at the bottom of life and the hopes of getting to church. That is respectable. Right. We're looking for what's respectable here. We are not nitpicking what is not good about this. And I think if there's one attitude that I would say, let's, you can start by letting go of is that idea of like, well, I don't want to like, I don't want to respect something that's not all the way amazing. What would that say about me? Nothing. No one cares. When it does a good thing, you say, that was really good and be done with it. It doesn't, there will come a time for the big display for really getting into it. That's not all of that. That's not where, where it starts. That's not really what differentiates it. Every, as Lee's pointing out, everybody has their moments of like, that was so amazing. It must be acknowledged. But we're talking about looking for things that people are doing in order to acknowledge, to build them up. And it's a great place to start. We're going to move on to our second question here. Comes in anonymously. It says, I have a sin in my life that the Bible is against. I don't want to be crucified by other Christians for having this sin. Believe me, I already feel bad about it. Also, how can I ask God to help me when I'm already doing wrong by him? And Jen, why don't you kick us off here? Well, man, I'm sorry that you're struggling. Um, everybody's doing wrong against God all the time. Amen. That's in that book. Like everybody. It's, it's right in there. It, it says all have sinned. Hmm. It says no one is righteous. No, not even one. Wait, but, but me, Jed? No, not you, Lee. I, lo- I always love the unwritten, let me stop here before you even ask. No, not even one. But it's just one no, no, <laughs> no not even one. But Grand, no. A phrase that I learned from Glenn that I've ripped off with no attribution uh, is, all we've got down here are sinners. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's it. We have two kinds of people on earth, people who know they're sinners and people who are pretending they're not. Preach. But it's sinners either way, man. Yep. That's That's all we've got. So... The idea that, um, you know, I'm doing wrong against God and, you know, that puts me in a different category. That's just not true because that's literally all we've got. The the beautiful thing about God is he wants to help anyway. Um, You're massively falling short of the mark, uh, which is what imperfection basically literally means. He loves you anyway. He cares about you anyway. He wants to help anyway. I think the question that's really before us and it's before you is, are you willing to receive that help? But connected with that, are you willing to wrestle with the Lord a little mm. bit? Are you willing to to get in a dialogue? The question actually I'd really have you cook on and have you think about is, are you willing to let the Lord say to you, I know you've got that thing in your life, and yeah, it's not great, and we do need to work on it. It's also not the top of my list of things that need to change in your life. You know, Glenn and I uh, were behind bars earlier today, and when you survey just guys... Just visiting. Just visiting, probably. When you survey guys behind bars, and again, these are all people where their misdeeds are a matter of public record. 
There can be no confusion. And where you guys were, it's a maximum security unit of Cook County Jail, if that gives you a vision. You have to go underground to come up in it. That's how much security there is. You've done bad things. Quite bad. Yeah. Now, if you survey guys behind bars, you know, and these are the people who are trying to follow the Lord now. They're coming to, they're choosing to come to chapel service. And you say, what do you feel like the number one sin in your life is? What's the thing that's really messing you up and holding you back? Without a pause, without a hesitation, with 100% certainty and conviction, (laughs) they will all say, cussing. Cussing. (laughs) Saying naughty words. My friend, I love you. You stabbed someone, which is why you're here. Cussing is low on the list. <laughs> now, we can we can look at the guys in Division 11 and we can and we can have a hearty chuckle, and we do. But we all do that. We all say, this is the thing about myself that I can't stand, and surely the Lord must feel the same way. Mm. Yes, if you went around your church on Sunday morning, the answers would be different, but as laughable as cussing. Yep, absolutely. The thing we want to encourage you to do is wrestle with the Lord. Go and talk to him about this. The, the worst thing in the world you could do is say, I do this thing, Bible says it's bad, that's the end of the discussion, I just got to stop it. That would actually be the most unchristian thing you could do. It feels weird that that, that that could be the case, but it super is. If that was the way Christianity was meant to be, the Bible would just be a list of stuff not to do. Exactly right. Exactly right. If you want to know something God resents, he resents being ignored. He resents being left out of the discussion and left out of the decision-making process and left out of the planning. He wants to talk to you about this stuff. He wants to help, but he wants to talk. He wants you and him to work this thing out and wrestle together. He wants for you to come and say, this is what I think the thing is, and for you to listen long enough for him to say, that is not the number one thing in your life that's messing you up. He wants to, he wants to be in charge, not just in the sense of giving you a list of good things and bad things, but helping you prioritize and helping you figure out that there's a journey he's trying to take you on and some things we're going to work on today and some things we're going to work on down the road that's righteousness is following the lord today righteousness is working on the things that the lord puts in front of you today and the thing we want to encourage you to do is invest in that relationship let the lord guide you let him call shots again not just in terms of that rule of right and wrong and good and bad but what does he say is holding you back from that closer walk with him and then take a hold of the strength and help he offers to deal with that issue today absolutely right i think uh lee i'd love to get you to figure out that point about leaving god out of the conversation because it is uh a knee-jerk reaction that is universal, but it is exactly what we need to fight against here, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the thing is, is that exactly as Jed is saying, if you try to work this out on your own steam, you are undoubtedly going to uh, you're undoubtedly going to highlight the thing that makes you just feel the worst about yourself. Uh, that's the thing that you're going to think is is uh, the, the the number one thing, the number one thing that's holding me back, the number one thing that's taking me out. The thing is, is that and and what happens is, is what has happened to you, friend, which is is you get to the place where you're like, I've got this thing in my life. Surely the truth is, God wants nothing to do with me. And what we find in Scripture is, if you continue to keep God into this conversation, the things that God would say to you is that Jesus would say, I came to seek and to save that which is lost. Um, the, the number one accusation that, that Jesus' enemies made about him was, he eats with sinners. 
He is the friend of sinners. That's what they called him. He said, uh, it's, it's the, uh, you know, it's the sick that need a doctor. And those are the ones I came for, not the healthy. Um, the cool thing is, is that the more you engage Jesus in the conversation, the more you find out that if you are a sinner who is struggling with a sin, you're the exact person that Jesus wants to hang out with. That's awesome news. It's awesome news. But what happens is when we don't engage the Lord in that because we feel bad about where we are and, and what we're doing is we get into a cycle. And the cycle is, I did a thing and now I feel bad about it. Now, probably Jesus doesn't want to hang out with me, so I'm not going to go talk to him about it. I'm just going to muscle this thing out and never do that thing again. But, you know, then life happens and eventually you feel bad about some stuff. And so you do something that you think is going to help, which is that thing that you felt bad about before. Uh, and, and so you do that thing. It doesn't fix the problem that you had, but now you feel terrible again. And so I can't go to Jesus about it. And so now I'm trying to, uh, muscle my way out of this situation again on my own steam, feeling shame about myself all over again. You're in a cycle that you can't break out of. The one thing that I encourage, um, I, I work a lot with with high school folks and college age folks, and um, I have a lot of conversations with guys about um, uh, about their struggles with pornography. And one of the things that that we talk about is when a, when a guy f- comes to me and to to talk about this, maybe for the first time that he's really kind of opened up and talked about it, you know. And um, one of the things that we always, that I always tell them is the next time you do this. The first thing I want you to do is go to the Lord and talk to him about it. And their their eyes always get wide because they're like, what do you mean the next time I do this? I'm, I'm coming to you so that I won't do it again. And I'm like, ease up, cupcake. It's going to happen again. Let's, let's just go ahead and admit that so we can talk about step two. I want you to talk to Jesus, and I want you to ask him a question. And the question is, why? Why did I do that? Amen. Um, can we talk about the why? Uh, you know, one of the things that Jesus, I think, would say to you if you engage him in the conversation is, I've already forgiven the thing. The thing is not standing between me and you, but there's layers of, of emotional and uh, thinking stuff in here that we need to deal with so that uh, we can figure out what step to take next. And if we could have those conversations, I could tell you the reason you did that is because you're tired and you need to rest. The reason that you did that is because you're stressed out. The reason that you did that is because you had a perceived failure and you felt bad about yourself. Uh, There's all these kinds of layers and, 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 and things going on that lead to the decisions that you make. I think that Jesus would say to you, I'm not worried about the thing. I want to talk to you about you. I want to talk about why this stuff happens, because I want to move you to a healthier place. I want to move you to a place where we can get all of the funkiness in your thinking and your emotions dealt with, and then down the road, this is going to occur less and less frequently until one day it's in your rearview mirror. Let's start engaging Jesus on that conversation, break that cycle of not having him in the process, and get some of his wisdom on what needs to happen next. That's a really great point. I think it transitions into exactly where we need to go on this, Glenn, uh, which is looking at least in a general direction of where we want to go on some things. And I think our friend in the question gives us a hint of where they maybe uh, have what would be the wrong idea about that, saying, I don't want the other Christians to be mad at me. 
Right. As we discussed with the respect question we discussed in the previous episode, that's not a great goal if you actually want to do the Jesus thing. It's an understandable thing sure. to say, I don't want anybody, nobody wants anybody to be mad at him. Yeah. yeah. Sociopaths. Yeah. And you say, well, this is church. I like church and these are good people. I don't want them to, you know, mm-hmm. really uh, get fired up at me. But how do we, how do we take a healthy view towards communities from talking about the show, mm-hmm. but also realize that, uh, Getting church people to like you is just not going to lead to the life we want. Well, that's right. I mean, uh, I was I was talking to some of our uh, podcast superfans recently about uh, acceptance, and particularly particularly about withholding acceptance inside of church communities. That sometimes we say, you know, what if you behaved a little bit better, uh, you know, I think uh, we'd probably accept you a little more. Why don't you behave better? We'll see what happens. Sure. And dangle this carrot out here. It'd be great. Yeah, you kind of jump through a lot of hoops and you still don't really have the acceptance and you're not really you know, you you, you think, well, maybe I've I've come this far, maybe one more hoop and I'll be there. <laughs> you're really there. <laughs> don't want to quit now. <laughs> um the the reality is uh as these other brothers are pointing out, and I love what Lee was saying on this question. I mean, rewind that back and listen to it again. But I, I think ultimately uh, I need to know where do I stand with God, and mm-hmm. if God is accepting of me, if He's forgiving me, uh, if He's allowing me to move forward, then a Christian that doesn't resonate with that is telling me something really important about them that I need to pay attention to. Uh, this person says, "I have a sin in my life that the Bible is against." Big deal, my man. Everybody's got that. <laughs> the Bible's against all the sins. You can't just say yours is the one that the Bible is against. That's not how that works. As these brothers are saying, you're you're not in a different category. But I like what Jed was saying, because part of what he's leading us up to is this idea of Jesus isn't interested in you behaving for the sake of behaving. Yep. He's not saying, here's a rule, follow it whether you understand it or not, and follow it just because I like being in charge. Yeah. That's, that's not what God is saying to you. He's saying, it, it, he's, he's not flexing his muscles and saying, you got to do whatever I say do. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a boss, and you gotta, you know, this is not the nature of the relationship. You see, right. here's a, as, as Lee was pointing out, there's a reason why you do this, and there's a reason why it's hurting you, and there's mm. a reason why I want to set you free from it. That's what you need to get into. But we turn that into some sort of a battle of uh, I have God's not towards me, His heart isn't towards me. I have to behave in such a way that that convinces Him to put his heart towards me. And uh, the behaving doesn't make any difference. As Lee's saying, uh, Jesus came for sinners, right? The other half of that is that he came specifically to rebuke church folk. Yep. <laughs> and he rebuked them extremely hard. Yep. Now, there's a lot of people, bless them, they, they read the Gospels, and they say, well, I'm not a Pharisee, so I'm okay on that. Yes. Okay. It, he he said, "Y'all are a brood of vipers, and the, you you you're defile people, and that you uh, all of this really bad." I mean, he just goes after them, right? And you say, "Well, I don't have to worry about those verses because I'm not a Sadducee, I'm not a Pharisee, I'm not even Jewish, so everything's great." Yeah, I'm, I'm exempt. It, meanwhile, you are the living, breathing embodiment of the, <laughs> and, and making the exact same case that they're making. Uh, go back to and read the Gospels over again and just put in pastor where it says Pharisee 
Deacon, where it says Sadducee, you know, uh, uh, religious leader, religious leader, Bible study leader, whatever it is, insert that into each area of that in order to get a sense of what God's trying to communicate there. Here's my point God came and sent his son for sinners. Amen. Here's the thing you have in your mind is, yeah, but he sent them to sinners so they would be like the Pharisees and the Sadducees and behave good. Nope. And that's not the case, because he's rebuking them, you see. If it's in your heart and mind, I want to be a straight church person that is so straight that other church people will like it, that's exactly who Jesus came to, to rebuke. He didn't rebuke the people who were prostitutes and, and, and tax collectors. And he went and loved on them and said, hey, man, well, there's got to be a better way. Let's, let's figure this mm. out. He, he turns to the religious leaders and says, why don't you hush up and go away? And you're just full of evil. You're a hypocrite. Go away. Shoo. Okay. So if your goal is I'm trying to be more churchy, you're getting yourself closer to the thing he's rebuking. You're 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 trying to get yourself in a position where you're getting further and further from from where God's heart is. So it is important to recognize where am I going with this yeah. thing? What does it need to look like? Because we all all of us have a picture in our mind of the person or the type of person that is acceptable to God. And I really, really, really right now I want you to take some time tonight, maybe before you go to bed, think about that and pray about that. Challenge that idea of that image that you have in your mind. Is that really the kind of person God's looking for? You know, really straight, really well-behaved. Is, is that it, or is it something else? I think right. it's a great point. I think it's worth uh, adding on to that, that there is a reason Jesus rebuked the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It's not because he hated them or because right. they were cast in the fiery pits of hell. That's not what rebuking means. It's because that's got to go. Yeah. He went to the lepers and the prostitutes and tax collectors and said, that's not the problem. You've got to work with this. You're not not a problem. The churchiness, that actually can't stay. That's causing you to screw up everything. That's right. So that that is a fundamental attitude of we're the ones who know how this goes. We essentially speak for God. We deal with that. We we don't we got we don't got we have, we have to ask forgiveness. We don't need all that stuff. We got we got it. Mm-hmm. That's the attitude that's going to kill you. Yep. So it sounds weird, but again, the weird stuff in the Bible that blessed are the poor in spirit. If you got this moment of this is bad, I need I need some change. That's good. That's that's actually an attitude that can push you towards the right thing. As these guys are pointing out, you have to you have to go about that in a way that's going to can push towards actual results. That's not getting caught in a cycle of guilt or that stuff that we talk about on the show that uh, really is unhelpful. But if your idea is I have a thing that is, and this thing, I have a sin in my life that the Bible is against, as we pointed out, that's really kind of a, that's really kind of some double speak there. We know, yeah. we know what you mean, but yeah. the, the, the Bible is very clear that they're all the same, right? Quite literally anger and murder and checking someone out with the, with the adultery. They're all the same. So what we need to look for, so I think what you mean by that is, I have a sin in my life that makes me feel guilty. Yep. Mm-hmm. Therefore, that's the one I got to think about. Take us back to Jed's point. When I, as you're thinking over that, that very good stuff Glenn gave you, I would also have you think over, what are the things, attitudes, behaviors that are holding you back? Mm-hmm. Much in the, you know, is it, that could be porn, is for some people. It could be cussing, I guess, if you were like, had a job in live TV. Right, that would be bad. Yeah. You know, that, would, that would definitely have an impact on your life. Yeah. Maybe if you worked in childcare, 
Right. And, you know, just couldn't stop. That's, that's probably a bad thing. <laughs> but it's probably more likely things like shame and self-righteousness and things that actually hold people back from maturing in a spiritual way and having the life they want. That's probably... It, you got to get with God to figure out what's on the top of his list. But if you're looking for a compass direction for what it might be, it's probably that stuff. So it's always a better thing to look and say, what's actually holding me back versus what do I feel guilty about? Because often the sins that are really screwing up our lives, those are the ones we like. Yep. yep. Those are our favorite ones. We yep. don't want to let go of those. That's so right. if you're looking for a place to start, that's a great place to start. Move on to our final question here. It comes in anonymously. It says, my life is a tangled mess. I don't even know where to start. Or what to do. I feel discouraged sometimes because it feels like I'm never going to get through my problems. Even if I solve one thing, something else is waiting to come out of the closet and remind me of my past and discourage me. What do I do? And Lee, why don't you kick us off on this one? Um, absolutely. Uh, you know, we're sorry that you're that you're feeling that way and that you're going through a rough time. As as we always say, you know, if you're going through a rough time, we are glad to pray for you and um, glad that you wrote in. Um, I want to I want to suggest something that that I think for a lot of people and a lot of people that I meet one on one with is a really really foreign concept and that is the Jedi level uh art of celebrating and giving yourself the permission to celebrate really small accomplished goals. Um this is something that this is something that is a it's an entirely practical thing. And it's something that that uh, for a lot of folks that that have never done this or have never intentionally tried to do it, um, it doesn't sound like a very powerful thing, but it can actually be a very pow- powerful thing. And what I mean by that is there are things that you can do during your day, small accomplishable goals that you can set that you can make happen. Um, you can get up, get a shower, brush your teeth and make your breakfast. And that was four wins right there. Uh, what, what typically happens is if you talk to somebody about this kind of a strategy, what they'll say is, well, that, that stuff doesn't matter. That's not the stuff that matters. Actually, it does matter. Um, anything that any, any small step that you can take towards positivity in your life is a thing that matters. And it's a thing that, that you have the right to say, I did that today. I did the dishes. I, um, I filled out that job application. I, um, I filled out that paperwork that I needed to get for, you know, the health insurance or whatever it is. I went to that website and I, and I submitted that form for, you know, for, for you know the 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 light bill or whatever the thing is those kinds of little steps it's not the kind of thing that you feel like um i have the right to kind of throw a party about but it is the kind of it is the kind of step that you should take uh the reason is uh, there's a there's a few reasons one of them being the more wins you can get the better you're going to be feeling about your day um, what typically happens for a lot of folks is they have in their mind a final way that their life could turn around. And it's like 375 steps down the road. Um, they have one humongous goal in mind. My life will be better when, and then there's a blank right there. They know how they want to fill it in. And until that happens, the outlook over the whole situation is this is bad. And I feel bad about it. So every twist and turn that you take to get there, you're not allowing yourself to say, I did that thing and that was a good step. 
because the only time that I can feel good is when my life finally turns around and that is defined by that step way down the road. The problem with that is, what if that's not the direction your life takes? What if you wind up going in a different direction, a healthy and a positive one, but not the one you had in mind way back here? If we start to learn how to uh, celebrate um, small, accomplishable goals, if we start tabulating some wins um, on, on small stuff that you can achieve every single day, then you can start to kind of carve a path out towards positivity, um, a, a, a path towards where you're saying, I'm not exactly where I want to be someday, but I'm not where I was. And, and this is super key, today was a good day. One of the funky, one of the, the the funky things about life is that if you try to to see your whole life as one big thing, it's a very difficult thing to evaluate. But your your life comes at you in kind of day sized chunks, and so it's a really really cool thing to be able to accomplish certain things, and at the end of the day, say today was a good day for this reason, for this reason, for this reason, and for this reason. I had these wins, and that was important and I feel good about it. And that can kind of change the way that you see. I mean, even in the question you said, if I solve one thing, then something else comes up. Well, let's change that language so that you say, I solved one thing. That's awesome. I rocked. Today was great. I had a very good day because I solved one thing in my life. Um, let's start looking at, at it that way. Let's start looking at some ways that we can celebrate some some small, practical, accomplishable goals. And and I think that's going to be an important step towards positivity. That's a fantastic place to start off. It's all really, really good stuff. Jed, I'd love to get you to, to pick us up there because we, we talked in that last question about, you know, person says something about their life and we have to point out that's actually all of us. Yeah. I think there's something else going on there, which is I feel like if I solve one problem, something else is just going to come up. Yeah. That's actually not that's actually not an indication of anything about your life. That's that's literally life for everyone all the time. Yes. So how do we focus on that and not let it uh overwhelm us? Man, that's a great question. I think part of it is uh as Glenn is fond of describing is managing our expectations. Um if we expect that a normal healthy life is one where nothing's going wrong, we're going to feel disappointed and we're going to feel like we must be messing it up constantly because there's always going to be something going wrong. Um, <clears throat> so I think we need to consciously choose to set our expectations to something's always trying to go wrong. Always. You know, there's always some new thing that needs, hopefully it's a small thing, but there's always something that needs fixing. But, you know, I'll tell you something that I'm working on in my own life that I think may relate to you. I am not naturally a terribly happy person. Um, there's a lot of reasons for that, but it's, it's not my natural inclination. I'm working on it. And one of the things that I have come to realize as I've been working on the fact that I'm not a naturally very happy person is that suffering in life is unavoidable. You will suffer. That's a guarantee. You don't have a choice about that. And in fact, most of the things people do to try to escape that make everything worse. Enjoyment and fun are fully optional. No one's going to force fun or enjoyment on you. You will suffer, guaranteed, but no one's going to force you to have fun. And I think part of why I bring that up is part of what I see in your question is an idea of, I got to deal with all these problems and all these bad things, and maybe someday, way, 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 way down the road, we'll worry about fun and enjoyment and good stuff. That's not going to work, man. That is yeah. not going to work. That's um, right. 
If you hope to ever have fun, start having fun today. If you hope to ever have good stuff in your life, start introducing it today. Um, God wants you to have fun. He wants you to have good stuff. He wants you to have enjoyment in your life. He wants you to have pleasure in your life. He really, really does. And you need it. Um, you, you deserve it because he wants it for you. And you need it as fuel in the tank for dealing with all that tough stuff. But again, it's optional in that you have to choose it. You have to choose to add it in and make room for it. And as a, a person who's really, really bad at this, don't hear me saying that I've got it sorted because I don't. If you if you see knee marks in the sand up that particular hill, those would be mine from, from all the crawling. It is worth doing. Um, I have a long list of things that I struggle mightily to do because, again, uh, I got issues too. But I'm always glad when I've done them. I feel better when I've done them. I feel rewarded when I've done them. The thing I would encourage you to start with in terms of introducing good stuff in your life is start making a list of stuff where I'm glad when I did it, just so you know what those things are. That doesn't mean that we figure out how to do them every day. It doesn't mean we figure out how to do them every week. That's a separate problem. Just start by figuring out stuff where I'm glad I did it. You know, when I go to the movies, I'm glad I I went to the movies. We'll figure out on another day how to do that regularly. You know, when I get a chance to get a little fresh air, I feel better about it. We'll figure out another day how to do that on a regular basis. But we want to start today introducing good things into our life. Now, let me say one more thing. When you're already feeling overwhelmed, the last advice you want is, well, you got to make room for something else. That's your problem. You just got to cram in one more thing like you're going to the dentist. Overwhelmed? Do more. Do more. And I'm sorry. I'm so sorry to, to have to be that guy to you. I understand. I'd hate to hear someone say this stuff back to me. So if you resent this, you should. I understand. I would feel the same way. But <laughs> here's, here's what I have found, again, in my own flailing attempts to, to deal with some of this in my own life. There's more room in your life than you think there is. Hmm. When you feel overwhelmed, it lies to you about what your capacity is. It, it lies to you about how much space you do or don't have, about how much time you do or don't have. If you decide to make room for that good stuff, I think you'll find you had more room than you thought you did. It won't feel like you did up front, but you'll find that you had the room for it. Will it mean a few things get delayed or pushed aside? Sometimes it will, not all the time, but you'll be glad you did. You'll be glad that you made the room, however that needed to happen. Keep going. Don't give up. We love you. Absolutely right. And Glenn, I think that's, that's a great point Jenin's on there to pick up on because in, in my uh, working through this situation in my life, um, one of the things I found is when you make time for good stuff and you that, uh, one of the things for it has to go, I, I got to cut down on my fretting. Right. A lot of fretting time. Yeah. A lot of uh, just staring at a wall, being overwhelmed time. And I think that points to exactly what you got to talk about this, this idea we get of, well, I got to get in my, my worry and my hatred and my <laughs> drowning time Yeah. now. Yeah. And then later on, good stuff, once I've filled the meter on those things. Right, right. And some of this might be a timing issue of uh, just go ahead and do some good stuff. That's right. I, you know, I think ultimately part of the problem we have here is uh, it's hard to give advice on this kind of situation without uh, a lot of uh, uh, sort of vaguely positive, just turn that frown upside down kind of thing. It's also hard to give advice on this kind of stuff where it, it where it doesn't get worse before it gets better. Um, 
So so I'm, I'll make it worse for you. It's better. Uh, here's here's the thing is, I think part of what we look at is I have uh, a problem and a crisis in my life, and that is an interruption from normal life. And I'm trying to get back to normal. The, the, the problem is the normal. It, it is normal to have problems. Yes. That, that is the norm. That, again, that sounds like a bummer, but I think we put a certain kind of odd pressure on ourselves of, I have to get past this crisis I'm dealing with, this problem, to get to normal life. And the, the, the reality is things go wrong. I mean, the, 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 the difficulty that we have in, in explaining this stuff is we work with people who have problems, I promise you, are worse than what your problems are here. And when you are the person working with them, you get a sense, you know, you're down in the trenches with them and you're looking at this and they're saying, "What? We, I've got this 27 layer problem here. I don't know where to start. You look at it and you say, hey, geez, I don't know where to start either. This is unbelievable. <laughs> you start looking. And, you, and this thing is, you start digging and digging and digging and digging. And a couple of years ago, you've, a couple of years later, you've, you've made a ton of progress. But we still have a pretty sizable mess here. We went from 27 problems to 26 and a half. That's right. It's <laughs> Which pro- is progress, but it doesn't super feel like it. Yeah. It, it, you know, you, but what, what you learn from that is you have to tell yourself as a person helping them and you have to tell the individual that you're helping. We are not going to hold our breath and wait to be happy until this problem is solved because right. man, we are not giving, we're not giving permission to this problem to tell us when it's okay to have fun and be happy. We have to choose to be happy. As, as Jed was saying, we have to uh, try and live our life in such a way to say, you know, I've got a tough problem, but I'm working on it pretty darn good, and I'm making some progress. So I can put it in the box, put that box on the shelf, and and live my life here. Uh, to recognize there's always challenges, there's always struggles. If if you were to look at the ministry uh, that we do, and you're, you're, you're part of the operation of it, what it looks like to be in charge of this is to be in charge of a thing with 5,000 moving parts, most of them are trying to fail simultaneously. Uh, if you needed happiness, uh, if you needed stability to be happy, this would not be, <laughs> my job would not be the job for you. Uh, but it's about recognizing that that's life, man. That's life. Life is, you get a new car, it breaks down, it needs oil, it runs out of gas, it needs air in the tires. The, you buy a new house, you got to replace the batteries in the doorbell. We didn't even know it had batteries in it until Jed fixed it because he has a degree in electrical engineering. So he focused on doorbells. That's <laughs> yeah, that was his, yeah. He took the doorbell one hundred and one, and you know. Well, so you know, I think um, uh, uh, the other thing that I want to zoom in on here is I'm always waiting for something else to come out of the closet and remind me of my past and discourage me. Here's a th- I can relate to that. Okay, uh, I I am that guy. You know, I've uh, I've had to walk my wife over to the computer, open up Facebook, and say, "This is an ex girlfriend. She's sending me this message. I want you to read it so you know this isn't behind your back." I don't know exactly what she's trying to say here, but it's not. It could not. It could be not good in terms of whatever. And I really, but you know, 
but I, I'm full disclosure. That's not a pleasant moment. But I don't have again. I don't have to live. I don't. I don't have to let my past tell me, and whether it comes up or not, tell me whether I can be happy or not. That's mm-hmm. I, I. I can live a life of of joy and uh, uh, overcoming these things. Forget the closet, man. That's what I'm saying. You, know, you accept that you have a, a bad past. But the the word I want us to leave us with is justification. It's one of them fancy words. It's a ten dollar word right there. Glenn, you know more theology words than I do, and I respect that. Wow, was that painful? A little bit. Yeah, I mean, I've, I I felt like I was dying inside. Yes, yeah. And then at the end, it got worse. Yeah, Jed has now leaned back in his chair with a cool rag on his head. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. So that's you know. Uh, justification, it's this idea of uh, God has made this to be right. It was wrong, but he brought it, he justified, he paid for it, he squared it off. Uh, that past is, is dealt with. You have to accept that justification piece. You know, the, the Bible says those he calls, he justifies. And that the, the idea is he's paid for it, he's given the forgiveness, and he's made that level even. It's he, His justice has been satisfied. So we have to get ourselves into that mentality of beating up on myself is not going to help me solve this this tango problem. Joy is what's going to allow me to beat that problem. If I find a way to get that going, I've got this whole thing on the run. It's all really fantastic stuff. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, therichcago.tumblr.com. We're taking a song this week. We're, it's been a while since we've done a bridge live worship song. So we're going to take out the song. It's about a little fair about the stuff we talk about. Tonight here is a song by Jed called You Have Better, recorded live at the bridge, if you like it. It's available on Spotify, Apple Music, or any of your fine digital music sources. It also may be available on that Columbia Records thing where they just send it to your house for like... You got like 10 tapes for a penny. Yeah. Oh, it's it's available on tape. Yeah. We we made sure of that. We paid extra for that. (laughs) But if you have Spotify, Apple Music, or any others, you can either search Jed Brewer or The Bridge Worship is named. I'm going to take out that. Thanks for listening. Ooh. We love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. So that podcast, is your team losing a sport event? Well, start banking before it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> you have better for me than I have for myself. You were sad and I'll have when we deserve hell. You offer me things that will not fade away like the love of a father who is here to stay and I don't know how to be happy and I don't know how to live and I tried what made sense to me but it was all just counterfeit you have better for me than I have for myself you were sad enough heaven when we deserve that are fleeting and I want things that won't last but you offer forever a future instead of a Yeah.
things that would kill me And I want what won't fill me up But you refuse to cheat me with anything less than the gift of your son You have